1: Good morning beloved family. How are you? I pray you're doing well and I've been we've been running on course for a few days. I'm I'm terrific um and I'm fine and I'm happy to be with you live. Um uh not by video but by audio this morning. God bless you. And um you know if I even began to comment on what's going on in the world and with our church um, it would take the whole program. But again, uh, so many people are are um, discussing that, and you can read the news as I can. Um, the, the frightening situation with artificial intelligence to me is just unbelievable. God has given us natural intelligence, not artificial. And with the natural intelligence, we have gone ahead and created artificial intelligence. Um, Again, God has given us intelligence and all we need um, for life on this earth and to live with him forever. But we have decided to create creatures that are not what God intends and who might in time be more powerful than we are, that might take over the universe. Unbelievable. It's science fiction, but it's real. Um, and so uh, we need dear ones to dig deeply into our faith. Every time I look at the news, another person's being arrested for using the wrong pronoun, uh, transgenderism, all of this uh, maybe be, um, parents may be arrested if they don't allow their children to transgender all of this, it's its really, for me, it's just twilight zone, twilight zone. And the only solution, dear ones, is for us to curl up in God and know who we are and know who he is and know what he intended by his creation of us and of the world we're in. So I'm gonna continue, dear ones, um, reading, uh, reading, taking us through the Catechism Explained. And to begin, with the history of creation to see what God has intended, not what man has made a mess of. We look at what God has created and we look at the contrast today of the evil in the world. Um, uh, It's becoming clearer every day. And what's going on in the schools, parents are beginning to stand up and fight, but they're not gonna win because evil uh, the best they could possibly do is slow down the rate of evil. We, they won't win. They won't win this. They can win uh, living their holy vocation as parents only by taking their children out of school, the public schools particularly, and Catholic schools if they're not teaching what is Catholic. I have heard horror stories from Catholic schools that equal public schools. So you need to know where you send your children and to whom you are turning them over. I'm gonna continue on uh, the history of creation from the catechism explained uh, by Reverend Barrago. I've mentioned before, it's it's an outstanding uh, publication. It is the Council of Trent, which means nothing has changed because it's doctrinal. Our current catechism following Vatican II is fine. But it is, Vatican II, again, was a pastoral council and could change nothing and changed nothing of the faith. How we live the faith and its application, some things have changed, um, and uh, but the doctrine does not change. And if we go back to the clear teaching of the Council of Trent, our application to our lives will also be clear. Um On the history of creation, uh, Reverend Barago says, we are instructed by the writer of the book of Genesis in the story of creation. The account given of the creation in the book of Genesis is not a fable, but is founded on truth. The sacred writer was enlightened by the Holy Spirit and his words are a part of the word of God. Genesis, dear ones, is equally the word of God as is the Gospel of Matthew, or any other book of Scripture. Perhaps God gave the writer of um, um, uh, Genesis a vision of the course of creation. We don't know, beloved. Uh, We talk about Moses being the author of the first five books of the Bible, but Moses wasn't there at creation. So if um, our Lord uh, wrote the book of creation through Moses, or others, uh, or another writer, He, uh, he gave him the information of what to write just as the prophets had the word of God and wrote what would yet be future. The story is intact in exact agreement with the conclusions of natural philosophy, the story of creation. All investigations into the crust of the earth show that organic life was developed in the order set forth in genesis first in the beginning god created the spiritual and material universe in the beginning that is in the beginning of time when there was nothing else existing except god time began with the world so that before the creation there was no time and you know dear ones god is outside of time he's outside of the universe that he's created Holy scripture does not tell us when the world was created. The world may have existed for millions of years before the creation of man. The fact that it takes millions of years for the light of some of the heavenly bodies to reach the earth seems to show this to have been the case. Created, meaning made out of nothing. How God produced the materials out of which the world was made we know not. Instead of the spiritual and the material world, St. Paul says, things visible and invisible, Colossians 1. The words of Genesis are, quote, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And I just want to, end quote, I just want to give you a little interesting fact. The word for God in Hebrew in that first verse is Elohim. I am Uh, is the way to, one way to pluralize a Hebrew word, Elohim. So if you translated it literally, it would say in the beginning, God's uh, plural created the heaven and the earth. And then our Lord continues down in Genesis chapter one to say, let us create man in our image. We just uh, passed Trinity Sunday a while ago. And um, Trinity, it's the triune God of Abraham And that God has always existed as a trinity. He didn't become three in one. He is three in one, three persons in one God, and always was. He didn't make that clear through the old covenant. But once we understand that, we can go back and see uh, with clarity uh, that the trinity has always been uh, uh, written up through scripture. I continue now with the reading. The heaven does not mean the star bespangled stang- be sky, the creation of which is narrated subsequently uh, further down in Genesis 1. Uh, the heaven means the abode of the angels and the saints. The material world is called the earth because the earth is for men the most important part of the material world. The first words of the Bible, God created heaven, are intended to remind man of his last end and future destiny. The spiritual world consists of the angels and the heaven where they dwell. The angels are called in Job chapter 38, morning stars, because they were created before this material world. And in the morning of the universe, hell was not created at the beginning of the universe. Matthew chapter 25, but at a later period, after the fall of the rebel angels, in that same chapter of Matthew, the material world includes all things which are found in the visible universe. Men are a union of spirit and body, and were created later. The material world was at first without form, without inhabitants, and without light. God first created the material elements out of which the world was formed. He had to create them. Nothing existed. Natural philosophy tells us that the world existed first of all in the form of a vast mass, not mass, M-A-S-S, a vast mass of vapor, and that this vast mass Gradually was condensed under the influence of an intense heat into the material universe. This is perfectly in accordance with the account of the creation given in Genesis. Our next point, which we're going to continue right after the break, is that God gave to the material universe its present form in the course of six. Days. Now, this great um, varied opinion of what those six days were, um, but we'll talk about it when we come back from the break, beloved. And when we come back from the second break, we'll take your calls, your emails, um, and w- it, it, whatever is on your heart, beloved. The toll free number is 1 877 511 5483, or you may email at mother at the station of the cross. Com. We'll be right back.
2: Please join us in a prayer to St. Anthony of Padua. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O oh, dear protector, St. Anthony. On this day, we direct our fervent prayer to you, asking you to hear us and to intercede for us. We are parents who ask for peace in our families, our worthy occupations, and our daily bread. We are children who ask for divine assistance and protection in the hope of a successful and happy future. We are the needy poor, the afflicted, and sinners who come to you for help and grace. Therefore, speak on our behalf to that child whom you hold in your arms, and we are sure of being heard. This is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. In your view, was the Virgin Mary simply an obedient woman who willingly gave biological and maternal matter to Jesus and therefore has been given undue adoration? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Virgin Mary is in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, all through the Gospels and close to 15 other typologies throughout Scripture. Secondly, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most revered object in the history of the children of Israel. That ark carried the presence of God Well, goodness, the Virgin Mary did not just carry the presence of God She carried God himself Thirdly, something to think on If God is a father, he is And we are known as his children, we are And the body of Christ are called brothers and sisters, they are Wouldn't God provide a mother for his church? He did So here's an idea Ask a wartime veteran whose soldiers cry out for in a moment of fear That's right, their mother Mother Mary, pray for us
1: And we are um, speaking about God's creation. Um, hold on now. I just lost my place. We're going to go back. Um, okay, that God gave to the material universe its present form in the course of six days. Now, many people disagree with that. They say, no, it took billions of years or billions of years. Well, six days are not six days necessarily 24 hour periods the dates um and Reverend Sparago agrees are probably long periods of time consisting of many thousands of years for the seventh day the day of rest lasts until the end of the world now you may have never heard that before um and uh i don't say this is infallible teaching from um a Reverend Parago, but it answers many, many, many questions. Um, our Lord says in the book of Hebrews, if we've entered into Christ, we have entered into our rest. The seventh day, the day of rest lasts until the end of the world. Um, four days of the week were already elapsed before the sun was formed. And therefore they cannot have been days as we now understand the word. The word day is chosen because the week of creation was to be a sort of pattern of our present week. On the first day, God made the light. We read in Genesis that God said, let there be light and there was light. The expression, let there be, denotes that something came into existence which did not exist before. This was the luminous matter which is now gathered in the sun. It is not dependent on the sun, but the sun on it. The gaseous matter was at first unformed, that is, it had no forces. God imparted to it the law of gravitation by means of which the various particles of matter were set in motion and drawn together and thus were condensed gradually into a solid mass. By this process, warmth and at last fire were developed. On the first day, fire, the main source of light, was produced by the movement given to the gaseous particles, and the existing vapor was condensed into masses endowed with fire and light. Now beloved, Perhaps you've never heard this explanation before, and I've heard only part of it before. This answers an awful lot of questions and does not go against science whatsoever. Science and the Bible uh, agree. Um, In fact, uh, when scientists discover anything, all they do is discover what God has done. On the second day, God made the firmament the words of Genesis are, quote, God said, let there be a firmament made amidst the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God called the firmament heaven. That's Genesis 1, verses 6 and 8. On this day, there was a separation, arrangement, and establishment of the created masses, which were divided into parts according to their constitution and magnitude parted from one another and arranged in the places that God had destined for them. This planting of the various worlds in their places in space constituted the firmament, which God called heaven, in which the sun and moon and stars pursue the course that was allotted to each. This firmament is the material heaven as opposed to the spiritual heaven, which is identical with the celestial paradise. The earth on which we live was one of the condensed masses which took its place among the other heavenly bodies. God, at the same time, divided off the planets that move around the sun on which forms the center of their system from the fixed stars. Again, verse 7, Genesis 1. You know what I'm thinking of, dear one? I'm thinking of Elon Musk, um, of whom it is said or thought that he might reach uh, Mars before NASA does. Uh, The most brilliant, richest person on earth cannot begin to fathom what God has done. And I would say to Elon Musk, uh, it's one thing to say there's more to earth than we have, Uh, There's more to life than we have, and you're 100% correct. But to assume it is to explore space and eventually live on space, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Um, But to say that is our end uh, will make for us a tragic end. Heaven is our end. And we could land on a thousand planets, a million planets, a trillion planets, and never have our hearts satisfied because only in God can we find our rest and our happiness and our joy and our peace. And if we don't find God on this earth and come to trust him, we will not live with him uh, after we die. And that will be the greatest tragedy for the greatest scientist. We continue. On the third day, God made the dry land and the plants. Here, the sacred writer concerns himself more especially with our earth. The earth, which was originally a fiery ball of gas, gradually lost its heat. As it cooled down in the midst of space, the great masses of mist mist, divided themselves off into the sea and land, the solid elements were drawn together and formed the crust of the earth through which the water forced itself from within. Thus were made the various oceans or seas and by this upheaval, the surface of the earth as it exists at present was gradually formed with its continents and its islands, its mountains and valleys under the influence of the warmth of the earth The moist surface was now ready for the development of organic life. This did not arise out of nothing, like the original primary matter. It was already implanted in the earth by Almighty God and was evolved therefrom as soon as circumstances favorable to its development presented themselves. No organic life can arise from mere inorganic matter. No possible combination of mere inorganic materials can ever produce any kind of organic life. The original germs, G-E-R-M-S, the original germs out of which life arose were already existing in the vapor cloud out of which the earth was formed, but were not able to develop themselves under the conditions of extreme heat and cold. They remained as undeveloped germs until the more moderate temperature enabled them to produce plants and trees under the influence of warmth and moisture. You ready for the fourth day? (laughs) We could take each day and spend a month on it, couldn't we? On the fourth day, God made the sun moon and stars. I say, if you're a scientist, if you're a Catholic and a scientist, you're in good shape. If you're a scientist and have not put your trust in God and in his church, um, nothing I'm saying will go against science. Again, all science can do and wonderfully do is to discover, excuse me, is to discover what is true. And when we discover what is true, What exists, we discover what God, who he is, and what he's done. On the fourth day of creation, the earth, which had been involved in darkness by the thick mist that surrounded it, as long as it had not fully cooled down, began to have a clearer atmosphere. And only a few clouds floated over its surface, instead of the dense vapor that had encircled it. The shining bodies in the heaven became visible. The sun began to exercise an influence upon the earth and produced the alternations of day and night and the various seasons of the year. The sun had previously a feeble power of radiation, but during this fourth period, it assumed its present form. We do not know whether there exist living beings on any of the stars. If there are such, they must be of a very different nature from our own. We know that in the moon there is no atmosphere, no fire, no water, no sound, no rain, no wind, no vegetation, and a long night of 350 hours. Isn't it remarkable what man has discovered, beloved? This is so fascinating to me. On the fifth day, God made the fishes and the birds. And on the sixth day, he made the animals and last of all, man. The animals were next made in order to proclaim the power of their creator by their number, variety, greatness, strength, and cleverness, and also to serve man, to nourish him, clothe him, and labor for his benefit. Man was produced the last of all the animals and surpasses them all in dignity and in the possession of reason and free will. Man is the crown of God's creation. God prepared the world for his reception. And I, when I think of that, I think of uh, parents preparing uh, the little baby's room for the baby when he or she will be born. The crib and the wallpaper and toys and changing table, it's all prepared for the anticipation of the baby. And so God prepared the world for his reception that he might enter and take possession of it as a king takes possession of his kingdom. The world would not have been complete without man. All else was made for his sake in all the rest of the work created I'm sorry, in all the rest of the work of creation, God simply said, let it be. But before he created man, he is rep- He is um, represented as taking counsel with himself. This is to show the importance and the dignity of man. Wow, before he created man, he is represented as taking counsel with himself. This is to show the importance and the dignity of man. This is beautiful, beloved, and we'll continue with it tomorrow, God willing. There's the music for our second break. We will um, return and go to your calls and your emails with anything that's on your heart. Um, call in toll-free, 877 Five four eight three uh, or email at mother at the station of the cross.com.
3: This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for June thirteenth. Today we celebrate Saint Anthony of Padua. Anthony longed to be one of those closest to Jesus by dying for the faith. From his home in Portugal, he entered the Franciscan order and set out to preach to the Moors in Spain. However, an illness prevented Anthony from achieving his goal, so he sailed instead to Italy, where he was stationed in a small hermitage. There he spent most of his time praying, reading the scriptures, and doing humble tasks. At an ordination, where no one was prepared to speak, the humble and obedient Anthony hesitantly accepted the task, Anthony's sermon was astounding to those who expected something rough and unprepared. He became recognized as a great man of prayer, as well as a great scripture and theology scholar. After leading the friars in northern Italy for three years, Anthony made his home in Padua, where he died in 1231. Popular devotion has nominated Anthony as finder of lost objects. But he also could be the patron of those who find their lives completely uprooted and set in new and unexpected directions. He is a perfect example of turning one's life completely over to Christ. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day.
4: Uh, Started drinking beer on Saturday nights, uh, sleeping in on Sunday mornings, missing mass, and it just became a pattern and continued. Without God, I don't know where I'd be right now. I feel like I'm whole again. I know the importance of the Eucharist. I know the importance of the sacraments that I didn't know at a young age. I follow God's will because my desire is to get to heaven. Our our lives are rich and full by being members of the church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org.
1: Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. This is our half hour together, and I'm thrilled to be with you. Our lines are open, and the number to call with anything whatsoever on your heart is toll free 1 877 511 5483. Or email at mother at the station of the cross. We have an email from Shelley who says, I am a convert. From the Evangelical Church. Welcome, dear Shelley. And my argument is of creation in Genesis primitive mode of speaking and does not really mean seven days. Is this true? Well, what a coincidence, Shelley. Uh live for a few days we've been playing Encore, so I'm not sure the date of your email, but it, it quite is um, In line with um, what what we have uh, read this morning in Genesis is correct. Um, When we say day, a day doesn't mean 24 hours and it could mean eons of time. Uh, As Reverend Sparago said, we are now in the seventh day, which will last till the end of the world. And so it could mean thousands or millions or trillions of years we don't know the timing on that but it does not mean literal 24 hour days so yes that's true um so yes i i would have to there's so many on this and and so many uh, uh Theologians, scientists, philosophers differ on the amount of time, but they agree on the great amount of time of each day. Uh, and this is, is not a literal 24-hour day. Email, uh, from Thomas said, I recently heard the term, Sacramentalized, but evangelized to describe. Please explain what this means for me. Yes, Thomas, it's it's really a very unhappy situation. A sacramentalized means you've been baptized, you've received First Communion, um, confession, you But unevangelized, like, who's received and receiving the sacraments, but you really don't know what it means to be Catholic. You don't know your faith. Evangelize. Um, Evangelize comes from Eve Angel, as Angel is a messenger of God. To be evangelized is to receive the message of the gospel. And so uh, those who are sacramentalized but unevangelized, uh, tragically, Thomas, represent a great percentage of Catholics today who have been Catholic, but truly do not know their faith, and they have to be evangelized, meaning they must be taught who they are and what they believe. Um, Okay, let me see this now. Uh, We have an email from someone who writes anonymously and says, I'm told that on All Souls Day, if we make six visits to six churches... And say designated prayers, the souls in purgatory, for whom we pray, go straight to heaven. Do you know if this is legitimate church teaching? I'm surprised I was unaware of this for so long. I'll tell you, um, I I, I want to guess that it's true, but I I can't be responsible by guessing. So I'll have to look that up uh, in, in a church uh, teaching to see if that's true, dear one, and I will come back to your to your email so that I can answer it um, responsibly. Okay, we'll do that. Um, let me see now. Um, we have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, "Dear Mother Miriam, I am a married woman with a young son. None of my siblings or siblings-in-law have been married." Until two months ago, my sister-in-law announced that she was to be married. Well, they're not siblings-in-law or sisters-in-law if they're not married, but I guess they're, they're cohabitating. She, she did not have a ring and was not planning to have any type of wedding. Her boyfriend, now husband, is a college athlete. And in order for her to live with him in the school dorms, they needed to be wed very soon, so that they could go to his new assignment this summer. Uh, This is a really poor situation, uh, for sure. A couple of weeks ago, they eloped alone with a man in some courtyard. The marriage feels so empty and strange. I congratulate her and stress that only a happy and successful marriage can come from reliance on Christ. But with no witnesses and a very private marriage. I find it very hard that this marriage will last and will be strong. The words and ideas were all nice. She said that he, her now husband, asked her father if he could marry her and said that he would die for her. But I find it insanely strange that they would elope alone with no witnesses, but post photos on social media and text people about how excited they are to be married. It feels empty and fake. I think the younger generation does not have authentic relationships or their social interactions based in reality. It is so odd and tragic to me. Could you please help me further analyze the situation and recommend how our family, my husband, young son, and hopefully more children in the future should carry on a relationship with this part of our family. my parents-in-law are seemingly very excited and happy about it and I cannot seem to understand why they do not think it is strange thanks mother for your thoughts may God bless your soul and life abundantly uh, from anonymous well it's not only strange it's um, I I, it's not a valid marriage well I'm not saying it's not licit it's not They're not married according to law, but they're not married in the church. And um, if they were living together prior to marriage, they were living in sin, and they married in sin. Um, And if they claim to be Catholic, they're living in fornication. Uh, You said nothing about whether they're Catholic or not. But if you speak about your other, um, uh, let's see now. Uh, Your siblings, your siblings-in-law, none of them have been married. um, And that leads me to think that they're all living together with so-called partners um, and they're not married. So they're all living in very grave sin. And they should not call themselves Catholic and should not, pardon me, should not receive the Eucharist if they if they go to mass on Sunday. If your sister and her partner, so to speak, her boyfriend, were married and again living together prior to marriage, they're in, in great sin, and they were in grave sin when they married, coming being married does not um, forgive their past sin. If they're Catholic, they need um, they need to Um, I'm sorry, I just had an interruption. Hold on. Okay, James, are we connected? Okay, I'm so sorry. Um, uh, To be uh, absolved from your sin, you need to go to confession. And yes, they should have lived apart for a time and been married in the church. So um, they are not married according to to God, they are not married in the church. And again, dear one, you've said nothing about their faith or, or anything else. So it seems that they're pagans living together and simply cohabitated and married. Um, I don't know if the one who married them was legitimate, um, but nothing is right with God. And if they want to get right with God, they have to come back to the church, go to confession and um, marry in the church. It's the only way they will be right with God. To be right with one another is not necessarily to be right with God. And when we love someone, we don't want them, we don't want to contribute them to them being on the road to a Christless eternity, which is hell. We don't want to contribute to that. And if we marry them, we are contributing to their damnation, including ours, if we're outside the church and we're living together in cohabitation. We have an email from Margaret and Margaret um, says, good morning, Mother. I'm hoping you may be able to answer a question about confession. Between these two examples below is one more efficacious than the other. Number one, I attend confession and cannot remember all of my sins. So I say, I'm sorry for all sins that I've committed. Number two, I attend confession and apologize to God for all my specific sins. Well, you have to put them together, Margaret, because, If you know your specific sins, you must declare them. And only then can you say, I'm sorry for all the sins I've committed and don't remember. Uh, So they're they're really, it's not one or the other, but it is first to attend confession and apologize to God for all of your specific sins that you remember, and then to say to Him, um, I'm sorry, dear Lord for the sins I've committed that I don't remember. They go together. Margaret says, in other words, is a general confession less effective than a normal confession if a person cannot remember all of the sins that they know of they've committed? This is not a general confession, dear one. Um, What you've described should be the elements of every single confession, Every time we go to confession, um, which should be hopefully a minimum once a month, uh, every time we go to confession, we should uh, apologize to God uh, and for every sin we can remember that we have committed since the last confession. Um, and then say, I'm sorry for all the sins that I don't remember, that I've committed. That's not a general confession. That's a normal confession. A general confession is to have a priest to go through with a priest the sins of your entire life. That's a general confession. And in that, you also, as a, normal confe- as a regular confession, you need to confess every sin that you can remember and then um, and then again, uh, tell God, you're sorry for those you cannot remember. And so um, a general confession is not less, I'm not sure. I think what you mean by a general confession is simply to apologize to God for everything you can't remember. Um, a gen- the word general confession, which all of us should do, um, maybe, I don't know how often, but certainly should be done, uh, goes through our entire lives from childhood to now. And we confess every single sin, whether it's been confessed or not, that we remember. So that takes quite a bit of preparation. Um, so when you say general versus normal, I'm not sure in your mind what you're asking, but uh, your points one and two combined should be the norm for any commit confession you make, point two first and point one second. Point two specific and point one uh, for all the sins you've committed uh, that you don't remember. I hope, Margaret, that's helped you. If not, write back and clarify what you're asking. We'll be right back, dear ones. After the break, you're welcome to call in again with anything on your heart. uh, 1-877-511-5483. And we'll be right back.
4: Can we be happy without God? Atheists say yes, we Christians say yes, but only to a certain extent. What's our reason? There are some natural human desires that can be satisfied without living for God. The desire for sensory pleasure, success, and loving relationships. There are certain desires, however, that can't be satisfied without God. For example, we don't just desire some love, we desire infinite love, love without limit. This is manifest when we get frustrated with imperfect manifestations of it. The same is true for knowledge, justice, and beauty. Since God alone is in. Infinite In these perfections, only He can satisfy our desires for them. Therefore, to borrow from St. Augustine, without God, our hearts would be forever restless. And my friends, a restless heart is an unhappy heart. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com.
1: Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Station of the
0: Cross Catholic Media Network is dedicated to answering the critical need of access to quality, consistent, professional, and proven Catholic programming. We cannot rely on other media outlets to properly represent our church. Catholic Radio reaches Catholics, non-Catholic Christians, and non-believers alike. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent of your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported.
1: Uh, to Mother Miriam Live. I am live and I'm so thrilled to be with you. And I apologize for the encores we've needed to run. But now I'm with you live and we have an enormous storm out here in Tyler, Texas. And my internet just went out. So I'm still connected with you um, um, by sound, but um, I'm not able to see uh, the screen with your emails. Let me mention something else. Um, Many of you know that um, um, we have had the opportunity of purchasing. We, the daughters of Mary, mother of Israel's hope, we came to Tyler uh, last August, and we have been uh, we we purchased two uh, five bedroom uh, double wide trailers, and we're living in them, and they've they've been serving us well, but. Uh, we're out of room. Um, oh, good! The internet has just gone back. Okay, um, we're out of room, and we, uh, we're women are coming left and right. We want to be able to take them in, and we found um, eighty-six acres of land. With it was we were going to take fifty, but the whole eighty-six has been offered to us, um, and um, it was one point four million uh, property that's worth well over twice that. Um, and it is 86 acres, two large structures. One of them will be able to fit 30 women, and the other structure uh, will be able to house everything else we need, a chapel and uh, huge. It has a commercial kitchen with all the equipment, everything we need. We can't believe it. And dear ones, the reason that I wish so much to purchase this is that, um, if, it's, if it's God's will, uh, for sure, is that um, I've dreamt since this community began of building a beautiful large monastery. However, um, the world is sinking by the day. Uh, it is getting so bad. Evil is so blanketing the world and the church that um, I can't bear to take the time to raise millions of dollars and take a few years to build a gorgeous monastery, which I, I'd love, but my heart won't allow that. Um, We found this property with two huge structures and it's enough. It has a deep well for us for water um, at the moment. And it will have internet, which is better than we have in our trailers. Now it it's, it's, it's in the country, but we will invite. We'll go to the whole neighborhood. We'll invite every single home atheist. Doesn't matter what religion they are, to our place. We have the room now, and we'll teach the faith, and let the children play outside and teach them the faith. I'm. I'm just. This is a dream come true, and so um, we will make. It won't look like a monastery, but inside, it will. It will be a monastery, and um, we have raised. Um, quite a bit. We need um, we need 400,000, but we need 200,000 to close on June 23rd, which is, I guess, 10 days from now. So, or nine or 10 days, I have to figure that out. 10 days from now, June 23rd, we must close. And we absolutely need 200,000 for that closing. Um, so if you uh, and and if you haven't seen the video with uh, John Henry Weston when he interviewed on me this uh, me on this um, on LifeSite, you can go to LifeSite News and look for the video of John Henry Weston and Mother Miriam. And I've given our whole story on that video. Um, and they have put a LifeFunder up. And I know a number of you who are listening to me now have already given to that life funder, and I bless God for you. But I know there are also a number of people who, uh, and I've heard from them, who say, we don't want to give over the internet, we want to give to you directly. So if this is new to you, or if you've wanted to be part of it, um, we have, um, I'm gonna say nine days, because on the t- we don't have the 10th day, we have to close on the 10th day. Um, uh, and again, we need 400,000, but we need 200,000 between now and the 23rd. So if you're able to assist or wish to in this magnificent um, uh, project for the salvation of the family of every single living person, but primarily to restore God's design for the family, which is the design to build his kingdom and which is what the enemy is attacking 24-7. Um we want to break through that and, and help Catholics to know their faith and help everyone else to know uh, what God has done in establishing the true faith on earth that they may also be in heaven. So our toll-free, well, I'm giving you our toll-free number. No, um, you can go to the Life Funder at LifeSite, uh, LifeSiteNews.com, or I'm going to give this out. I'm going to give our address out. You can mail a check, and if you wish to do that, Uh, You can mail a check or mail us the information. You can, okay, I'm I'm, I'm confusing this. Mail a check to our address. Make it payable to Daughters of Mary, M-I-H for short, Mother of Israel's Hope. Daughters of Mary, M for Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, or Daughters of Mary, M-I-H for short. And you can mail it to 908 Dallas Street, Number six two seven, and it's Winona. It's a suburb of Dallas, um, W I N O N A, Texas, seven five seven nine two. Now, you you may if you didn't get that all, um, you can go to our website, MotherOfIsrael'sHope dot org, and just click on. You can donate through our website through your credit card. That's fine too, or you can go to contact and you'll get our address uh, here in Winona. So uh, beloved, I, I hug you and I thank you in advance for everyone, anyone who is in a position and wishes to be part of this tremendous adventure for the salvation of the family and of souls. We will teach the faith and do nothing else but teach the faith and help not just teach it, We want to help. We want to walk people and families through it. We need to help them to not just know the faith, um, um, but not just know what they believe, but know why they believe it and how to live it, how to apply it to dysfunctional families, to their personal situations. We live to do that, dear ones. So I know the music for the end of the program is going to be coming up in a minute. And, um, I bless you all. And uh, today is Tuesday. So God willing, we will be with you every single day this week and hopefully uh, by video as well. And you can write in between now and then with anything that's on your heart with, by email uh, at mother at the station of the crosscom and take down the call-free number for the future. We're out of time this morning, but to call in toll-free Five one one five four eight three, And I bless all of you that have supported uh, the Station of the Cross so that Mother Miriam Live could be on along with Jim Havens and every other magnificent program. I bless God for the Station of the Cross and for Site News. So, um, dear ones, um, we'll speak with you tomorrow. Again, uh, Go. our website is www. Mother motherofisraelshope.org Israels is spelled I-S for Sam R-A-E-L-S no apostrophe in the um, um, in the uh, web address so God bless you dear ones um, I long to see you face to face and if we don't do that this side of heaven I will wait for you on the other side of heaven or you'll wait for me either way God bless you We'll speak with you tomorrow.